2: Let's talk a while. Well now, you are right ahead and talk.
1: I think I've talked to you all I want to.
2: See, that's the difference between us. You think we're fighting, and I think we're finally
1: talking. Sure taking a lock into that radio yours. Know. Keep your meat hooks off my radio.
2: Bradley's on the radio. Come on, baby. He's on BZ.
0: Jay talking, Bradley J. WBZ News Radio 1030.
2: Well, we're moving right along. Boston on fire. Jay Talking, A History of Fires and Firefighting in Boston. You're going to love this. Stephanie Shoro is with us, who is a local writer, and thanks for putting this one out. This is oh, great. thank
0: you. Thank you for having me here.
2: Great to see you again, and... Talk fire. Talk fire, yes. First, can you just kind of list the, the big fires or the important fires in Boston, just by name, to get well, an idea of what we... Well,
0: there's a lot of them. There are a lot of them because it started back in the colonial period. In fact, um, people used to say that Boston was built to burn because uh, the peninsula, the original peninsula was kind of narrow and people built close together. So there were fires all through the 18th century, um, 1700s, um, some of which um, leveled the town. There were about three big ones during that time period. Um, and then we had uh, a number of big fires. The biggest one, I think, by far was the 1872 fire, which leveled the downtown area. Um, and that was g- considered pretty significant. Um, there was a small little fire in Charlestown, um, which just took down a convent, uh, but it was significant because of the social implications of it. That was right, like, we'll get 1834, to 1834, yeah. The, the um, dislike of the Irish. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was about it was that whole period when the Irish were... No Irish need apply. Um, Then we had uh, two big fires in Chelsea, uh, 1908 and and 1970s. There was another big one. Um, And then uh, people forget, but in the 1980s, there was a series of arson fires. There was an arson ring operated, uh, and Boston was called the arson capital of the world at that point. Arson for profit. Uh, Arson for – well, a lot of it was for profit, and a lot of it was for thrills, um, and – it turned out it was a ring of people who were just uh, burning down the city, trying to draw attention to the plight of firefighters, which was kind of illogical. Letting but they the tail were, wag the dog. Well, they wanted to <laughs> s- make sure they got enough pay, and they so they made enough fires for them. It didn't it didn't really work out very wow. well. But but that was that, and of course the Coconut Grove Fire of 1942, which is um, fi- almost 500 lives were lost in that in that fire. So it was the biggest. Uh, one of the biggest fires in, in the history in terms of being in a um, public space.
2: Okay, let's uh, turn the magnifying glass on the dangerous conditions in the okay. early Boston. Besides being close together, there's the building materials and, yes. uh, of course, firefighting methods weren't what they are today. Can you talk about the yeah, but, situations that made it a tinderbox?
0: Well, the houses were built very close together, built out of wood. So um, when a fire got started, it would, uh, would uh, move very quickly. Um, firefighting at the beginning was very primitive. It was simply the old bucket brigade. You know, people would pass buckets to each other. And then they developed, uh, there was a new kind of um, machine, the old tubs, and it was a device where you filled it with water and you pumped it, and that created a pressure so that you could get a hose, you could get fire water up on the top of a fire. So it was if that you, tank? I
2: mean, this is prior to having hydrants?
0: Oh, yeah, this, okay, was, this was, yeah, is a Yeah, this is a tank. Was,
2: with handles on the sides yeah. that six or eight or ten men would pump?
0: That like. got it came a little later. First, the first ones were just simply very small, and then as they got bigger and bigger, they would um, uh, have that six to eight men who would, who would work the pumps and get the uh, spray of water up on the top of buildings. And about that time, they started to have fire plugs. They would try to log in to um, uh, hook their machines up to the plugs that hooked into the— fire mains that went under the city. Um, In fact, you know, the the term plug ugly, uh, you might have heard that being plug ugly. And that was because um, the fire companies, you develop, so you had, once you had fire equipment, then you had fire companies. They were organized around their particular fire machines. And the firefighters would uh, be called out by the ringing of church bells to go to where the fire was and they would sometimes fight to be the first one to get water onto the fire because it was a matter of honor. So instead of putting out the fire sometimes they'd fight among themselves for the honor of plugging into the water. And I'm that's not surprised. Where, yeah and that's where the word plug ugly came from. Really? But um, yeah and they and these machines um, originally they were man uh, human powered man powered generally speaking, and um, were pulled by men and uh, brought to these fires. And it was was a matter of pride, like I said, to see who could get there. And then they would have contests right in Boston Common uh, between the different companies. They would pump the machines and see who could get the highest stream of water. Um, plug your own metaphor for um, right, right for I get men it. in there. <laughs> <okay. laughs> but but yeah, that's what they a, would,
2: leaves the, very little for the imagination. Not <laughs> too much,
0: but that. But um, actually, um, that was a big deal, and a lot of people would come to see these contests. Um, and there are some. Actually, there's some companies today that still compete in. In I got a chance to do that. I got a chance to be in a team that um, pumped the. Uh, uh, I'm making gestures, and I'm on radio, so you can't see me, but you, you pump the uh, machine, and you see how high you can get the, the stream of water. Uh, so,
2: so it's sort of a, a tank of water with handles on the side, both sides, and you go up and down. Up and down, and right. The,
0: the, it creates a pressure creates a in pressure. the pressure, and then puts on. And then you had the development of, of steam power, and then you had um, a steam engine that would use fire to create that kind of um, pressure. And those got bigger and heavier, and so they began to use horses to drag those uh, through the city. And so you had amazing, uh, there's actually a lot of uh, interesting pictures of horses dragging these, um, pulling these uh, machines, um, all lit up on fire, because they were trying to get the fire going before they got to the to the actual scene of the fire, the fire that would power the fire the, in the in, yeah. the in the in the machine to create the pressure, then they could get to the scene and put water on the. On so they the had fire. the fire already going, and then right. the horses would be pulling these things right. on fire. Right, exactly. Exciting.
2: Right. Where did uh, you have the opportunity to use one of these pumps?
0: Um, there are a things. number of of uh, companies that uh, companies. How should I say? Teams of people um, who still have contests, like the one I participated in, was up in Newberry Point. New Bearport. okay, and they just have an, a machine that they they compete. They compete in contests. I'm not sure they're still doing it. I was getting their email for a while, but I, I did a story for the Herald and what it was like to go up there and participate in the in the uh, teams. So. What
2: period of time was the one you used from?
0: Uh, well, that would have been before um, the 1860s. I think around the time about 18 about 187 1860s. There was the moving over to um the uh fire fire driven engines so uh if i'm getting that right a lot of people study this in, you mean in the, steam great engines? Steam, the steam okay. driven engines yes
2: so, so so i guess this is a good time to talk about the st louis Hunneman 574 Hunneman is it
0: Hunneman. the Hunneman company was one of the um companies that made some of these there were there are a number of them they're kind of um legendary in in terms of huh? people and people collect them in fact jay leno um I believe, collects um, – well, I know he collects motors, uh, but the person who restores a lot of his engines and his cars also restores old fire engines, a guy up in Hope, Maine. Um,
2: uh, I think Jay Leno has too much money.
0: I think he does too, yes. I've
2: There's heard. an engine called the Torrent 6.
0: Yes, Torrent 6. Uh, see, the thing the, the thing about these engines um, is that they were – uh, beloved, if you will, uh, by the companies. The companies organize around these machines, keep them in great shape, polish them, take care of them. And the reason, they weren't all red, by the way. The reason that red became the color of fire engines, because red was the most expensive paint. And so if you could put the most expensive paint on your engine, therefore your um, engine, your company. Was better than all the rest, and so, m- first of all, many of these companies were volunteers. So it was a place for um, men to hang out, to be with other men, and then to be called out to fight fires. But it was a matter of pride to have the best kept engine, the best looking engine.
2: So they didn't really, they did not really have a firehouse where people stayed all the time. They would come running from home. Well,
0: they come running from home. I mean, that gradually emerged, but they would have a place where they would, they would. They would generally hang out there. And there was, um, there were different, for example, before the emergence of the fire alarm system, which was emerged in Boston about 1850, the how you would hear about fires is you would hear church bells ringing. And church bells um, would indicate there was a fire. They tried to ring them in the area where the fire was. And so you'd run to your firehouse and try to get the fire. In fact, that was one of the real issues with fire, was trying to to get to the fire. I mean, people would run around doing what they call hallooing fire, yelling, fire, fire, but trying to get people to the area. But in the 1850s, um, a couple gentlemen in Boston, a physician and an engineer, developed the fire alarm system.
2: The Channing and Farmer, right? The
0: Channing and Farmer, um, two amazing, amazing. Their story is really amazing. And Channing, both of them are are unsung heroes uh, in the sense that most people don't know about their their um, work. But Channing uh, was a physician, and he had this idea that he could create something like a nerve system, where um, with tel- the telegraph had been invented. And the telegraph was akin to the internet in terms of its um, impact on imagination. I mean, before the telegraph, there was no instantaneous uh, communication. You had to send things by horse, or by person, or passenger pigeon, or something like that. So... Um, Channing took the idea of the telegraph and applied it to um, a system that would alert people to where fires are. And so he and Moses created this system that used wire and tapping and bells, again, hooked up to the church bells, and created um, a form in which people could actually communicate back and forth.
2: Channing and Farmer, William Channing and Moses Farmer, were, were unsung geniuses, and I guess Primarily, primarily responsible for the alarm system that we have today probably operates in a pretty similar way.
0: Well, actually, the um, it's almost the same system. The Boston Fire Department has tried to keep the hang on to the system, while other other cities have gotten rid of their fire alarm systems and they gone to cell phones and radios. And the the Boston Fire Department would like to keep it up because. It is outside regular electric circuits, so the whole city could go down, and the fire alarm oh, system yeah. would still work. Plus, it's a series of: if you pull the lever on a fire alarm box, the firefighters know exactly where the fire is because it's related to the box. And a lot of these guys mem- have memorized almost every box in the city. And the reason, with the lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. The reason why that's important is because people call in fire and they say it's on Washington Street. Well, there's five Washington streets in Boston, yeah. so it's sometimes hard to pinpoint it. Other people are excited or people have accents or they're, they don't speak English very well. So there's, a, there's a, a push to sort of keep the system, although it's been updated and um, has... Uh, been obviously supplanted by cell phones and other other techniques but but um it really uh was a kind of a life-saving thing it really was the the fire alarm system that they created in boston was really um the impetus for the kinds of systems that we have now so um it, you don't think about them it's the kind of thing you don't think about today you don't think about how do you get someone to a fire i like and we think well i like that we fire, have the old school
2: know. old school method i like yeah. that
0: yeah, just go around, scream fire, and hope someone finds you. So, so now, mm-hmm. let's get
2: into the fires. Let's start from way back mm-hmm. in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. You can choose which one you'd like to talk about first. Well, we'll, we'll just go up through the ages through Coconut Grove. We'll expand on Coconut Grove because you have a separate Coconut Grove book. Mm-hmm. And there's the Vendome. Is that how you say it? Vendome? Yeah, Vendome. And, and, uh, Ven- you
0: know, I always mess that up. So, And we just had an anniversary of that fire, by the way, just which was uh, one of the largest loss of... Uh, Boston firefighters' lives um, at on this hotel uh, in the in right in down right in the uh, on Com Ave So is that, that right in, in
2: Kenmore?
1: It's it, near Kenmore.
0: Right outside. Of Kenmore? Uh, n- let me think. Uh, no, the, Back Bay. It's it's okay. like. Um,
2: else, I know where uh, the memorial is. Yeah. is the it mor- right in- it's
0: right. It's right. Yeah, the memorial is right by the. Okay. Right by the fire there. So. So
2: seventeen hundreds.
0: Yeah. So. Um, well, there was a big fire in 1760, and um, they were, um, <sighs> seemed to break out, and it would actually lay down a lot of the city, and there's a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth. Um, That's the, 10
2: years before the Boston Massacre. Yeah, yeah. 16 so, years before Yeah, so there were,
0: there were um, let me see if I can pull out the numbers, but there were, um, there were, um, there was a major one in 1676. Wow. And... Um, there weren't even that, that many buildings in 1676, No, no, no. Right? I think um, I was we just looking at the figures here, but in 1822, two years after the population uh, passed the 43,000 mark, uh, then it became a city, um, and it became um, a burning zone. In fact, a contemporary firefighter said, uh, "In eight, as of 1825, Boston seemed doomed to be destroyed by extensive and disastrous conflagrations. Uh, in fact... We should talk about what a conflagration is. People throw that word around, but a conflagration is a particular kind of fire that jumps a street, that it gets so hot, it will actually jump, not from buildings that are next to each other, but it jump over a street because of the heat will ignite things on the other side. So it's very... In, vis-
2: those, the winds are churning and suck the flames right into another building. Sure,
0: another building or it gets so hot that it, it, it catches fire on that side. So it's hard to... It's actually hard to pick out... The specific fires because there really were so many of them there was one like every 25 years they'd have a really bad fire in that early in that early period um and then uh, in lead, leading up to the 1872 fire um but before uh, the
2: 1872 fire mm-hmm. there are some interesting ones like the case where it's just one house a slave was
0: there was Convicted a case of where burning a convicting down, down a house, a house of, her, of, her, of, her, of her masters and she was hanged on. She um, was burned. A, oh, she was burned. Yeah, so that's right. That's right. Burned on the. Is that what I wrote then? It must be true. Yeah. So it but, was she
2: was burned to death. Yeah. And I was wondering where that would have taken place. Yeah. Okay.
0: A lot of, the, a lot of, the, a lot of those things. Um, there, the, the source material. I did the best I could to source it. Some of that is a little dubious, and we have stories that were repeated over and over again. But, but the, I, I, I think that that was. Um, I think those cases were particularly, particularly heinous. I think the life of slaves, and, and we don't think that we had slaves here in Boston, but we had, we had there were a number of slave slaves in that area at that time. So. All right.
2: Now there's the. Charlestown Convent yes. fire, mm-hmm. and re- is related to social unrest and the hatred uh, and, and riots and, sa- and hatred of the Irish. If you can spend some time on that, that'd be great.
0: Well, it, it basically in a, what's now Somerville, but was then Charlestown, um, there was a convent and a school built by um, an order of nuns, and uh, it was quite a prominent school. It had both Catholic girls and Protestant girls there. Uh, But in that time, that period, it was a little before the real influx of Irish, but the Irish were beginning to come into Boston at that time. And there was a lot of resentment of them. Partly, it was due to the Catholic religion. The Catholic religion was feared and opposed by the Protestants who had settled Boston uh, originally. One of the, uh, in fact... Many of the abolitionists, early abolitionists, were very much against Catholics. For example, you've heard of um, Harriet Beecher Stowe. Well, her father, Lyman Beecher, was a prominent preacher, and he preached against Catholics. And he had some major sermons in Boston against Catholics just before this particular fire that we're getting into, the 1834 fire. Um, and what happened is that a group of men got, well, first of all, let me back up a bit. There were stories, there was a very popular theme in literature at that time of women who were kidnapped and kept in convicts, convents against their will. It was kind of a gothic theme, theme that you, you, you steal these women, they live in convents and they escape
2: why were they steal what was the motivation to steal women and get them into convents because
0: there were well they, they there was no motivation these were all made up but it was it was it was fear of catholicism there was a fear about women being in convents it, it again we this this country has a lot of great history it also has some streaks of really irrational fears and one of the irrational fears in this point of view was about catholics and what they did because they were perceived to be the other they're perceived to be that other religion. Um and there was a great fear about the Pope. There was great fear about um uh, what we I mean, just look, it, it wasn't gone by 1960 when John F. K. when John Kennedy ran for president. There was you probably a lot know of more failing.
2: about this than I do. What, yeah. what's the Protestants beef with Catholics? The overall. The,
0: because they weren't um they weren't Protestants because it? Well, you're getting me into a religious thing. We got to right, get, well, get. You got to get into Martin Luther, who broke away from the church back in different times. But I think the one of the issues with the Catholic Church was against the ritual and against the construction, the hierarchy of the church. Um, the sort of the graven emphasis, image thing. And the uh, Protestants at that time. And if any of your readers, uh, your listeners, want to correct me on this, they, the Protestants are more emphasis reading the Bible. And more of the feeling of you are control of your own life. okay. And uh, the Catholic religion was more. you confess, you're forgiven. There was a structure that Protestants didn't like. The Puritans, go back to the Puritans. they broke away from the Catholic Church. They broke away. they were, they wanted to purify even Protestant um, religion. Okay, so that was a thread in here. So there was a there was a huge beef against Catholics in this country. Um, and then there
2: was a convent fire.
0: And what happened was there was rumors that a woman in that convent was being kept against her will. Uh-huh. And it, what happened is she wasn't being kept against the will, but she was sick. She had gone to a neighbor. Um, th- there was some issue about, uh, I don't know if she's not being kept against her will, but she wasn't a well person. She, she somehow excited the neighbors. There was a rumors going around that this that a woman was being kept there, and a number of men of Charleston uh, were drinking one night and decided they were going to take care of that problem. Um, there's been lynch mobs all through Boston, uh, th- all through American history, so this was no different from that. A group of men decided they were going to take care of the problem, so they marched to the convent. The lady, uh, the mother superior went out and confronted them. She was not the most diplomatic of people. She just told them to get lost. Um, they probably didn't like being told what to do by a woman, um, and words were exchanged, and the men started um, throwing things at the convent, and then they eventually lit it on fire and burned it to the ground. Now, the convent was filled with women and children, okay? So that was the, all the nuns were there, and then there were uh, women who, uh, kids, girls, who had were going to school there, some of, us, some of whom were Catholic, some of whom were Protestant. And including uh, one young girl who wasn't Catholic, uh, who wrote a very um, uh, kind of amazing story of this whole experience. That's how, how we know a lot of what went on. Um, and she, um, she went on to marry a Whittier, who Mount Whittier was named for. So she had kind of an interesting life. Anyway, wow. but I, but I digress. M- mountain in New Hampshire. Ma- mountain in California, m- oh, California. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, but I digress. The point is that these men burned the convent to the ground. The no one was killed. One woman one was very sick and she died later. But they couldn't really say she was killed in the fire. They all escaped, but um, the convent was destroyed, and it actually remained in ruins for for many years. Uh, we, I've seen a lot of pictures like drawings of the convents and ruins on this hill in Somerville which was then part of Charlestown. So
2: Do you know exactly where it We kind
0: of know where it is. If you know where Broadway, Broadway in uh, Somerville, um, if you, the side streets off, off of Broadway that go towards the Mystic more, more, Mystic Lake, there's kind of a hill there. It was ba- basically, the con was set up on that hill. Now everything's changed and it all has streets in through there, but it was set up on a hill and that, all, there were no houses in that area at the time. It was just um, fields right yeah, down. Yeah, there's, the, there's
2: a drawing I saw in the book. Yes, yeah, of
0: so that. It's like a,
2: the, a pasture with cattle.
0: Exactly. So it was kind of a pasture now. But if you go up those streets, there's actually uh, Mount Benedict Street uh, was made because the con was called Mount uh, Mount Benedict, and there's a street named after him. But basically, this was considered a blight upon Boston. There was a trial. There was a trial, and the men were actually. Uh, I don't think they were convicted. Uh, but many people were shocked and horrified. They may not like Catholics, but that doesn't mean you burned down a a convent.
2: Quick break, and then we're going to go right to Coconut Grove, and you have a separate Coconut Grove book, too. Yes, I do. We'll we'll do big-time Coconut Grove and Vendome, Hotel Vendome, and we'll get more into detail on the arson ring as well. It's WBZ. I need to talk
0: to you. What have you two been talking about behind my back? Hey! Got to tune to Bradley J. Bradley J. J. Talking. WBZ News Radio 1030. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli,
1: I guess? Aha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually.
0: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hey, soldier. Do you know who's in command here?
2: Yeah. We gotta talk.
1: Well, what can we talk?
2: Over there is a very capable radio.
1: radio. Radio.
2: Get me someone on the other end of that radio. Yes, Bradley J. You
0: know. Bradley J. J. Talking. You
2: hear him talking on your radio. I can hear you.
0: WBZ News Radio, ten thirty.
2: That's it. Twelve. Excuse me. Twelve fifty-two. We're continuing to talk about Boston on Fire book. History of Fires and Firefighting in Boston with Stephanie Shoro, And now we're gonna get into the Coconut Grove Fire. You have a Coconut Grove book, too. What's the actual title of that book? It's actually book?
0: just called The Coconut Grove Fire. Okay. Very simple.
2: And so, the floor is yours.
0: Well, well, it, it, the thing about the Coconut Grove Fire is that it is a fire that has such resonance for people in Boston. I mean, people have been here for a while. Um, all have a story about it. All have a story about um, someone they knew, or they lost a friend in it, or that their grandfather or uh, grandmother was going to go to the club that night and then at the last minute didn't go, and that's why they're there. I mean, it just it just it burned through all of Boston. Now, when you th- think about the the loss of life, it was about f- the official total is 492 people who died um, in the Coconut Grove nightclub. Uh, in November of 1942. and But it wasn't just that. There were about 200 pe- more people who were burned. There were people in the hospitals who treated these people. There were the families of these people. There were uh, this ripple effect through the whole city um, of of this fire. And basically, one of the reasons that people remember this fire is that there's so many mysteries still about it. When we know, basically... About ten fifteen, a fire broke out in the downstairs of this nightclub. Very fancy nightclub.
2: Where was it again?
0: It it was in what we call Back Bay now, um, but on Pied- sort of like Piedmont Street, Strawman Street, Church Street. Those are the, the the streets around and Broadway. And you, all the streets have been ch- the streets in that area have been changed. Um, so you can't you can't and you can't even see the footprint of the Coconut Grove anymore because they put condos there. Because that's what we do in Boston now. We put million-dollar condos. You know, go figure. Anyway, but uh, it was really in the heart of an area where there were a lot of nightclubs. There was actually, a lot of nightclubs in that area at that time. So it was. It was. Now it's kind of out of the way. Then it wasn't quite so out of the way. But it was the place to go. It, it was just people. That's where everybody went on Saturday night. And you know, 1942. There wasn't television. There, there were movies, of course, but um, you could stay home and listen to the radio. Or you could go out, and um, the club that night was just packed with people, and it was, it was young people, old people. There were couples there. There was people. There was a wedding party there. There were five brothers there. there this was, is the time of
2: Humphrey Bogart was big. So picture people dressed like Humphrey Bogart.
0: Yeah, people dressed up with their fur coats and and their um, uh, cigarettes. There was cigarettes, drinks. Um, dance there was a dance floor The mc um it was uh it was a place to be cnbc and be seen. had this a- south seas kind of decor and the roof of the coconut grove could actually be rolled back whoa so you could dance under the stars whoa yeah so and people
2: was- were using language like on the lamb and <laughs> dames and gams
0: yeah. They really were. I mean, that, you know, yeah, I think back in the day, they were definitely, definitely that. Okay. So but so you, so you picture this great night, and then earlier that day, there was a very important football game played in Boston between Holy Cross and Boston College. And Boston College was expected to win, but unexpectedly, they lost to Holy Cross. It was a big deal uh, this time. The game was actually played in Fenway Park. A lot of people don't know wow. that. Wow. Yeah, so it was played in the park. And so um, mo- the Coconut, excuse me, the Boston College people were going to had scheduled a celebration at the Coconut Grove that night, um, and they called it off when Boston College lost. And uh, But it, but a number of the people from Boston College did go there, and of course, Holy Cross people went to uh, celebrate. So so if you can imagine, it was just a huge crowd. Cram- they crammed as many people as they get in there. I mean, there were so many, there were coats that were just piled on the ground because there wasn't room in the coat room um the people were they they kept taking up room off the dance floor to get more tables and so they could seat people to eat so clearly
2: this was they didn't have codes then like we have now they had codes and they were
0: just ignoring Uh, the codes okay like we do now yeah no it was licensed for 500 people and i've estimated about a thousand people were jammed in there that night from the from the death toll and other factors so they they had about a thousand people in there okay in that space about
2: three minutes to, to the the to break so we can talk about coconut grove a little more for three okay. minutes whatever fits in three minutes right
0: but um what, all i can say is that um it, it was a fire that should not have happened um and one thing about it it's that there's a mythology that people were killed when they're trampling trying to get out when the fire broke out that's not the case the fire, the deaths of the fire were caused by the unsafe conditions of the club, and that's something that is still going on and is still happening. Doors were locked that should not have been locked. Uh, Doors were jammed that should not have been jammed. We still have that problem today. We're still suffering from buildings that should have um, easy access out, and we're still having problems with, with uh, this kind of thing. Just look at the station nightclub right. fire. Yeah.
2: Same exact thing.
0: Very similar, yes, very similar. So um, the, so we repeat, so I talk about the coconut. It's a very depressing topic. I, I sometimes can be really, after I talk about it, I can get just, I have to really have a few drinks to calm myself down, but it's worth talking about because there's so many lessons from that. Rob,
2: Robin Cambridge has a comment, Rob. We have a short, short time yeah. before the top, like 60 seconds, what do you got?
1: I just have a quick question. Um, so this fire in Charlestown, supposedly they uh, took stones from the uh, ruins and they built an archway at the current Cathedral of the Holy that's, Cross. That's, I don't know if you had any? Yes, I, that's about that's that. the
0: information I have. That indeed, yeah, they took some stones there and they used it in the in the in the uh, cathedral there. The Cathedral of the Holy yeah, Cross, right in the yes. neighborhood. That's they my just, understanding that they, they, they did that. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I just want, they just renovated the cathedral and they they feature that now at one of the archways. So oh, they do. Easy. That's
0: great. That that's really good because it's um, it's a really great story. It's good. I'm glad that they keep that memory of that of that incident up.
2: Thanks for bringing that up to bringing that to our attention, Rob in Cambridge. Excellent. By the way, Rob, call in any time. I don't recognize your voice. If you've called before, it's been a while. And we're going to get to Jim and Paul. We have two people who want to talk. Yeah. Uh, And we will talk a little bit more about Coconut Grove before we get to them. If there's anything you want to add, anything to add. Uh, One question I have is what. Changes were made as a result of coconut grove. Well,
0: as a result of the coconut grove, there's a there's a kind of mythology that we didn't know things like revolving doors were dangerous. I mean, many people died at the coconut grove because the revolving door that they tried to get out at jammed, and they couldn't let people out. Um, but th- there was knowledge that, that uh, revolving doors were dangerous, but what happened is after that, there was greater enforcement of it. So every time you see a revolving door in... The Boston area, you should see two swing doors or or regular doors flanking it. So in case it jams, there's another way out. Um, better exits, better uh, lighting of exits, and um, the not locking uh, exit doors. Like the fire department in this area, they're very big on that. You know, if they find that doors are locked for exits, um, they'll get on your case. Plus overcrowding. The the bo- the fire department in this area really do enforce a lot of the crowding because that was one of the factors in the coconut grove is that they were way over their capacity. Um, but there were there were many there were there were, there, there were rules there were laws and uh, things passed around the country not just here but the important thing to realize is there was the political will to enforce them. It wasn't a wink wink nod nod but they said, you know, this stuff can be deadly. We really got to get serious and enforce it.
2: Okay. Let's talk to Jim and Paul. Jim and Paul, both super tight on time, as Dan Ray says. So let's talk to Jim first. Jim, hi.
1: Yes, good morning. Uh, Hi, Jim. As tragic as as the loss of life of the coconut Grove fire was, that fire probably helped save the lives of millions of people.
0: Um, I bet you're going to talk about the medical I'm so. talking
1: about the, the development of penicillin, a couple mm-hmm. of English scientists. The British government had been at war with Germany for about three years at that point, and mm-hmm. they didn't have the resources to build a, a pharmaceutical factory. Mm-hmm. They were trying to talk to the American government into doing it. The Coconut Grove fire happened. They got a small supply to test on some of the victims, the US government saw the positive results and they financed and built the factory here. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's true. In fact, they the, they say that penicillin was used for the first time on a civilian population at the Coconut Grove. Now, it was as you said, it was very small amounts. So, it's a little unclear how much the penicillin actually did, but it didn't kill them. It didn't kill the well, people. They tried it. And that's and that I think but that's an important point because um they they realized that they could up the dosage. And it it could prove to be beneficial. So yes, that yes. was a very important step. You're absolutely right. And
1: without that fire, the American government probably would not have financed a pharmaceutical factory.
0: Well, that I I couldn't swear to that, but I'll take your word for it. I do know that 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 was one of the innovations uh, innovations on burn treatments. Um, Mass General Hospital and Boston City Hospital did. Um, uh practiced and learned new techniques for treating burn and lung victims uh, there was increased um enforcement of zoning and safety codes after that um and plus the law the manslaughter law was changed as a result of the coconut grove fire um we're just you see this played out even in the um the case in the gulf that oil rig that um but oh they'll, yes. use, they'll use that mm-hmm. this this precedent from the Coconut mm-hmm. Grove in that. Great call, Wait, Jim, what? thank you. Thank you.
2: Let's talk to Paul in Woburn, Hi, Paul.
1: Hi, how are you doing? Great. The call. Hotel Vendome. The Hotel Vendome. Mm-hmm. I uh, I taught up in 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 and this kid would guy would drive his three kids to school, and one day I noticed he had a copper bracelet. So I said, to him, what's with the copper bracelet?" He said, Well, he said, I was mutual aid from Cambridge going to the uh, Hotel Gondome. I got there and I saw a guy I was in uh, firefighter school with. And I said, Don't You look tired. I'll carry whatever into the building. He said, No, no, it's our fire. He said, He went into the building and he died in the building. Oh, that's and stupid. from that day on, this guy always wore the uh, a copper bracelet in his. Uh, Memoriam. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's and, one uh, thing. That's you. You bring up a very good lesson about fires and firefighting. And that was in the case in that fire. Is that sometimes the firefighters don't die from the smoke or from the fire, but from the collapsing building. And that is a very big danger. And the fire was essentially out at the hotel, but it had it weakened the structure of the of the building so much that it, it suddenly collapsed and. Um, buried people. And I I talked to one firefighter who was buried, but he managed to get out alive. Um, He was retired, and he told me he would go back to being a firefighter in a heartbeat uh, because people were that... I mean, they just, they worked night and day to get everybody out of that that collapsed building. But that is one of the, we don't think about that, but really that is one of the real issues about uh, fires is the collapsing building.
2: Vendome, Uh, Vendome, Harvey, however you say it, I think I looked it up in your book, uh, right about the the intersection of Dartmouth.
0: Dartmouth, that's right. right. Dartmouth and Comap, yeah.
2: Anything else to note on that fire other than it was the one of the uh, most deadly in terms of firefighter fire- lives lost?
0: Well, I think. Um, well, this gets a little controversial, but that that memorial that was put up, um, the firefighters, in fact, um, some of them, uh, some of the fire chiefs from that period were a little shall we say that the uh, neighborhood opposed putting a memorial there um, and so they had to fight them to get that memorial and it's a wonderful memorial yeah That's I wonder very, what the neighborhood's beef was huh? uh, just it's it was it was you know it's like a back Bay I think there was some feeling it didn't belong there it, uh, we, we're still fighting those kind of issues um, what what belongs but but they they managed to get it there they've dedicated it um, there was an anniversary just recently. Uh, and it is a marvelous piece because it's both um, symbolic and very evocative. There's a uh, uh, helmets on the on the uh, on the granite, and um, I, I see. I think um, memorials are kind of important. In fact, there's an effort right now to get one for the Coconut Grove fire, and to memorialize it because it's really been kind of ignored by the city. It's really been pushed into the back into the back burner, and I I think that we owe it to the victims to to really um, remember that fire remember that those kind of things can and still and are still happening so
2: can we just do a couple of minutes on the arson ring
0: okay let's go
2: was there a particular person that was key was there a kingpin involved
0: well there were there were a number of people but there was one young uh young man who wanted to be a firefighter he really was anxious. He had tried out to be a firefighter. and He couldn't quite get on the firefighting force, and so he was one of the leaders in this ring to set fires. And the ostensive reason was to draw attention to because they'd had cutbacks at the fire department. But um, was he Mr. Flame? He was Mr. Flame. He had a nickname, yeah, Mr. Flame. Mr. Flame, you know me as the fire, fire Friday firebug. I will continue until all deactivated police and fire equipment is brought back. If abandoned buildings are torn down, occupied buildings will be targeted. Um, and uh, he, he is a piece of work. He, he He's out of jail now. I've actually run into so him. So he's alive. When did oh, yeah, this take yeah. place? Oh, this took back in the 80s. In Jeez, the not yeah, that was, long ago. No, no, not that long ago. And um, well, you got, you see, the thing about the arson fires is that Boston was a different city then. Because there were all these abandoned buildings, and they were worth more burned than than um, uh, because of the insurance yeah. money. But but even going back further, that was that was that arson ring was conducted by some people who were kind of sparks. I mean, they were not sparks. They weren't like the people who would chase fire fightings. They were really kind of obsessed with fires and setting fires, and they were eventually caught because a photographer noticed at a fire that they there were guys behind him who were cheering instead of being upset that the fire was happening. So he turned around and got pictures of them, and that was a break in that case. But let me go back to one earlier in the 70s, the Symphony Row arson fires. That, I think, is another one of these um, Boston stories because that was in a really poor section of the city. And there was a series of fires in, this, in the... Um, kind of in um, the Fenway area. Sort of between the Fenway
2: and Mass Ave on Symphony Road.
0: Exactly, on Symphony Road. And there were were deaths, deaths in this. And the neighborhood, the neighbors, and there was actually a, a documentary about this, neighbors organized to try to protest this, said to the government, hey, someone's burning down our neighborhood, do something. And they were met by roadblocks. And many of the city editors said, well, it's a poor neighborhood, what do you expect? People are doing it to themselves. And so they had to fight this prejudice against poor people who were they were being told they were burning down their own place. Well, they found out it was a ring of about 30 people, including lawyers, including city, including a city inspector and some professional firefighters, who were conducting this. Um, who were doing these burning down these buildings for the insurance money wow. so it wasn't the neighbors burning themselves da- down it w- there was this racial prejudice against them oh those people burned their houses down when indeed it was the power structure that was actually burning down the burning down the houses there's a there's a really good documentary I don't know if you can find it anywhere but I want to see that. that yeah um yeah I, I, I find the uh, filmmakers on it but the but um um David Skondis, um who was a he was a city council until he kind of had a little flame out there but he was very much uh, involved with that okay and, um,
2: wow thanks for coming in very interesting yeah. uh, we really love local history here and you're part of it well thank, thank you. you so much
1: it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper